Hey everybody, my name is Aaron. I'm so grateful that you are back with us in the podcast. We are in a series called Whispers. We're looking at how God longs to have a relationship with his children. And part of any good relationship is communication. And so if God wants to have a relationship with us, then God is also naturally going to want to speak to us and guide our lives. And he does this at times through the scriptures and he does it through internal whispers and external whispers. And if you need to catch up on any of those different concepts, please go back a few episodes and catch up to that. But this week we're we're looking at how At times in our relationship with God, God might withdraw himself a bit and we might feel as if God is not speaking to us in a particular season, or maybe we're just not picking up on how God is speaking to us in a particular season because he's not doing it the same way he had done in the past. And we also might feel that God feels absent in a particular season of life because we're going through something pretty tough or we're going through some woundings that we wish we had not gone through or maybe we've experienced some deaths in life and so it's just a struggle and so in the midst of those seasons of of kind of broken expectations on God coming through in a particular way and God choosing not to do that can be pretty hard and difficult at times and so that's what we're talking about today when when God feels like he's not speaking and when God feels absent, how do we still tune in to what he might be doing in those types of seasons? So let's start with the reading text, Mark chapter 15, verses 25 through 32. It says, it was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. A sign, a sign announced the charge against him. It read, the king of the Jews. Two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Ha! Look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then, save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests and teachers of religious law also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down from the cross so we can see it and believe him. Even the men who were crucified with Jesus ridiculed him. So in the series, we've reflected each week on God's desire to live with his people in close proximity, living life with us, guiding us through those internal and external whispers. And hopefully in this series, you, you've been given a few things that you have begun to practice, whether it's learning what God sounds like through the scriptures in Jesus, or maybe you're learning how to create space in your life to tune into those internal whispers that God might be talking to you through, or you've continued to engage in community and have experienced God speaking to you through other people. And I pray that you've encountered and responded to a good God who loves you and is with you through every moment of life, through the highs and through the lows, but we really struggle with those low moments. I know that I do. These moments can be confusing and frustrating. There could be times when you feel like God is silent, when you want him to speak loudly, or you want him to feel close and he feels absent, when you really want him to do something miraculous in your life and he chooses not to. These moments will leave you reeling and might even make you question God or your faith. And with as much love as I can muster, I want you to know that these moments of God's silence or felt absence is normative in certain seasons as you follow Jesus. 
And I want to engage this type of conversation because I think there's power in normalizing the difficult moments of faith. The space where there are no easy answers, nothing to really comfort you other than reminding you of truths that you might not want to hear in the moment. And hopefully you can find comfort knowing you aren't the only one who has experienced this or who will experience this. And maybe you can find hope and comfort that even Jesus experienced these types of moments. To pick back up the text that we started with and to give you some context, Jesus was living so radically and controversially that it led to a bunch of religious leaders wanting him dead because Jesus invited people into the kingdom of God that the religious people were not comfortable with. And his claims that he was the son of God and was one with God pushed these people over the edge from hopes that someone would kill him someday to actively participating in a false trial that condemned him to death on a cross. So let's humanize the emotion that Jesus was feeling in this moment. Luke twenty two forty four describes Jesus praying about this event, knowing it was coming, knowing that this was the reason he had come, but he was so anxious about what he was going to have to endure that his sweat became like great drops of blood, which is an actual medical condition called hematohydrosis. This is an extremely rare condition in which the capillary blood vessels that feed the sweat glands rupture, causing them to exude blood occurring under conditions of extreme physical or emotional stress. So he's so stressed that it's causing this this physical reaction and these capillaries are under so much tension that they're just rupturing and causing blood to come out of his sweat glands. Imagine the amount of emotional stress that it would take for that to happen. Imagine the feelings of abandonment as nearly all of your closest followers are nowhere to be found. When When you go to trial, they scatter and they fear for their own lives. Think of the physical stress and pain of having your flesh torn open by being beaten with a lead tip whip and having a crown of thorns driven into your head and then having nails driven through your wrists and feet as you're left to suffer under your own weight as you're hanging on a cross. And remember again this previous night that Jesus had been praying that God would find another way if there was any other way, but this was the way. Meaning Jesus knows what it feels like to have somewhat of unanswered prayers. And if it's not an unanswered prayers, it's at least a prayer in which Jesus prays and God says no. And Jesus has to sit with that and he has to live through this. And he does submit all things to God, but he's still enduring a physically and emotionally terrible situation. So let's pick back up the story with that context in mind. It was about noon. Darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. Then at three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice saying, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Or another way of saying this, why have you forsaken me? He hung in the silence of the moment. Remember that through the Gospels, we have seen three accounts of God audibly talking to Jesus. And these are only probably the accounts that were actually recorded in the Gospels. 
But in Mark 1, 10 through 11, at the baptism of Jesus, the heavens are ripped open, and there's a voice from heaven that says, You are my dearly loved son. You bring me great joy. Matthew 17, 5, the transfiguration of Jesus, as the disciples are trying to almost make makeshift places of worship to honor Elijah and Moses and Jesus. God cuts through all of that. And he highlights Jesus as being the one. And he says, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. In John 12, 28 through 29, it says, Father, bring glory to your name. And a voice spoke from heaven saying, I have already brought glory to my name and I will do it again. So three times, not including every other moment when he could sense the internal voice of God or the presence of God with him. But here, after six hours of hanging on a cross, after having already been brutally beaten, he's not hearing the affirmations of God. He's not sensing God's presence in this moment. And Jesus is reeling in this moment, feeling completely abandoned. And the words that he stretches for, the words that he communicates are actually from Psalms 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I think it's so interesting that even when Jesus feels like God is absent, he's, he's searching for these words of scripture that are helping to normalize his experience, that are helping him to feel connected to God. And he's pulling from a psalm, which is our, our hymn book in the scriptures. And they demonstrate a, a prayer life before God and the human experience. And nearly two-thirds of these hymns or psalms in the Bible are laments, meaning that they're, they're songs of sadness, songs of crying out to God, why is this happening? Why are we enduring this? Where are you? When are you going to work? When are you going to move? When are you going to bring about resolution? Go read the Psalms. You'll see over and over and over people crying out to God. And I think that there's so many there, two-thirds of them, because I think it's normalizing the fact that most of our life might be spent in this awkward tension of just not knowing where God might be not knowing what he's leading us into. And maybe we've stepped into stuff and things have not gone the way you thought that they should go, or you've experienced some tough stuff. You're wondering where God is at. You're in a season of lament. I think there's probably a lot of these seasons through life and learning how to trust God in the midst of lament, in the midst of terrible things going on and trusting that he is there and that he is still good and that he is still working somehow in the midst of all of that. I think there's so many laments because they're probably the anthems that keep us moving in most of life. And Jesus, while doing the most loving act of human history, is showing us that it's okay to sit in a moment of lament where you can voice to the Father that you, for, you feel forsaken by Him. which is so different in the church. I think at times we're afraid to communicate those things because sometimes when we communicate those things, they feel like it might be sin. And I just want to normalize that God knows what you're walking through and going through. And God longs for you just to be far more honest than to put on some kind of religious face. That God wants to know what you're feeling and thinking because God's with you in that moment as well. 
and that we can sit in the seasons that are sad and allow those seasons to be sad. We don't have to jump to, to just quirky, positive thinking. Pete Gregg, who wrote a phenomenal book, which I'm basing a lot of this talk on called God on Mute, he says, how very fragile our faith must be if we can't just remain sad, scared, confused, and doubting for a while. See, even when Job was going through something super difficult, lost all of his possessions, lost all of his children, was going through grief, his friends do a really great job when they show up and just sit with Job in the midst of his grief. They do a really terrible job when they open their mouth and try to help him to resolve what's happening or to figure out why it happened or to try to offer some type of just crummy encouragement instead of just being with him. And so we need to learn just to be able to sit in the moment, to let those moments just breathe. And Jesus shows us the way, even as he's about to breathe his last moment, to be able to voice to the Father what you're feeling fully in whatever moment that you might be walking through, that it's okay to voice that. It's okay to say that. And then in Jesus' dying breath, Mark 15, 35 through 39, some of the bystanders misunderstood when he had just said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He thought they were calling out to the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so he could drink. Wait, he said, Let, let's see whether Elijah comes to take him down. Then Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last. This is a moment Jesus dies the savior of the world hung on a cross who gives his life verse 38 and the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom when the roman officer stood facing him saw how he had died he exclaimed this man truly was the son of god and it's in this moment that a lot of us debate about exactly what's happening in this but we know for sure that jesus became disconnected from the father so that we could become connected to the father through jesus but the followers in this moment don't know that they know this in reflecting back on on what they see in just a few days they reflect back on after having jesus connect the dots later for them but in this moment they're left with their friend who's just been murdered on a cross. And they sit in stunned silence as their hopes are shattered and they fear that they might be next. And it's the men behind bolted doors. It's men who are hunkering down and hiding it out. But it's also a couple of women who bravely and bravely go after Sabbath they had taken Jesus after he died down from a cross. They put his body in a sheet. They set him in a tomb. And then they went to celebrate Sabbath. Imagine trying to celebrate Sabbath when your friend had just died. But in the religious custom, there's no work for 24 hours from Friday, kind of sundown, dinner time to Saturday, dinner time. And so they come back bright and early Sunday morning. After Sabbath, they went and bought all the things that they needed to, to properly prepare Jesus' body for burial. And they go back Sunday morning, 
kind of wondering how they're going to work this all out, but they're going to do what they feel like they need to do. And Mark 16, two through six says this very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. They braved it. On the way, they were asking each other who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb. But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. And when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting at the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who is crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where his body was laid. So Jesus is risen. And this is good news for all of humanity. He conquers death so that we can experience life. And it gives us these three movements that happen from Friday, Saturday, and Sunday that Christians have used to symbolically reflect on their own felt experience with journeying with Jesus. Because in different seasons, you're going to experience these different emotions that happen within the passion narrative, within what we experience around this Easter story. And so there's, there's Good Friday, there's Holy Saturday and Resurrection Sunday. But in the midst of these different things, they don't feel like those titles. And so we kind of want to refer to them as Crucifixion Friday, Tension Saturday, and then Resurrection or Resolution or Healing Sunday. And each movement has its own significance, and each movement will be felt at different points in our lives as we follow Jesus. And so if you're new to the way of Jesus, everything might be exciting and awesome, and you're hearing the voice of God, and Scripture's becoming alive, and everything's just moving along, and that's amazing. But there's going to be these seasons where we go through hard stuff, where prayers might not be answered, and we are left struggling, or we might just feel for a bit that God's withdrawn in a particular season when once he was so active, he feels so inactive in this season. And so I want you to be aware that's normative to the Christian experience, which is why Christians have used this narrative in order to frame their felt experience to provide encouragement, but to also name where they're at. Because we need to sit in the in the moment because there's things in each of these movements, there's things in each of these moments that help shape us into who God is wanting us to become. So Crucifixion Friday, or is what we refer to in the Christian faith, is Good Friday because we reflect on Sunday when Jesus comes back alive, when he's risen from the dead. But on Crucifixion Friday, this is where bad things happen, where hopes are dashed, where the Savior of the world dies on a cross. These moments are anything but good, but because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross, there's a possibility that God can somehow work through even the most broken of circumstances to bring about something good, which doesn't feel good when you're grieving. But as we heal from traumas, there is hope when there is some type of redemptive quality from any trauma or any death or any difficult thing that we experience. Because without some hope of some type of redemptive quality, everything is just so senseless and meaningless, devoid of anything. But that's not the story in Jesus, especially in Jesus' death and resurrection, because we experience that somehow through crucifixion that there can be the possibility of life because of Jesus. Because he came back to life, he has the power to bring these things back to life.
But oftentimes we're, we're reeling in this moment, unsure of what to do. We feel like God's absent. We feel like God has not answered our prayers and, and we don't know what to do. And oftentimes people sweep in and they offer kind of platitudes that actually don't help. They don't know how to sit in the awkwardness of a moment. They don't know how to just simply be with people. As the scriptures say, like there's times to rejoice when people are rejoicing, but there's a time to grieve when people are grieving. And Pete Gregg says, we often attempt to solve the problem of God's silence with simplistic explanations of complex situations, lopsided applications of scripture, and platitudes of premature comfort. We are afraid to simply wait with the mess of problems unresolved until God himself unmistakably intervenes. And I love that. We just sit in the moment. When these things happen, we don't have to quickly try to answer all the questions that we might have. We could just sit with God. God, this doesn't feel right. We can voice all the emotions just like Jesus did. Why are you forsaking me in this moment? Why are you not moving? Why are you not doing what, what I think you should be doing? God, where are you? You can voice all of these things in this moment. But even as things go the way we don't want them to go, and we live in this, this tension of Saturday, this 24-hour period in which the disciples felt all of the tension of the hope of the world being crucified on a cross and them thinking everything is lost, that everything is broken. This is where we grapple with events that we don't want to have happened or have experienced, and we wanted God to intervene. And maybe God didn't answer a prayer the way that we wanted. Maybe we experienced something no human should ever experience. Maybe you want to experience deliverance, but you're continuing to experience suffering. And you question, where is God? Why did this happen? Why does God feel silent, uninvolved? And why does God seem to not care? If God is all powerful, why is he not doing something? Or why did he allow something like this to happen? This is that tension, the tension of Saturday and the tension in our faith between a God who is all powerful, who can do a lot of things. And at the same time, at times, he doesn't seem to do things or at least do things the way that we think that they should be done. And so when we grapple with all of these questions, and I've sat with so many people in the midst of all of these questions, and the only pastoral words of advice that I can give someone that are actually honest in these type of moments is I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why these things have happened. I don't know why you're experiencing this. I don't know why you're walking through this. But what I do know and what I rely on even in these moments of my life is that you're not alone. You're not alone. Christians in all of history have wrestled with the same thing and continue to wrestle with these questions. And so there's going to be the seasons we go through difficult stuff, and I think it, just, it grieves the heart of God, and God's presence is just fully with us. And I wonder if it's sometimes like in a moment of grief with a friend when you just have no words to say that can actually comfort and God does the same thing. He sits with us. There's just no words, but he's with us. And the bigger picture of everything is too grand to even ex ex explain and figure out. But we trust God in the midst of all that. And there's going to be other seasons where God, for the sake of our maturing, 
will withdraw himself so that we can grow into him more because it's an invitation to lean more into him. Martin Luther argued that God withdraws and falls silent in order to draw us into a deeper relationship with him. That is only possible when we move beyond merely outward experiences and purely rational understanding, as summarized by Pete Gregg. He also teaches us that St. John of the Cross, through the dark night of the soul, says that it's an actual invitation to experience a process of maturing us in our faith. And that's hard. And I want to be very clear that God doesn't allow difficult stuff to happen in our life. Like when we go through deaths or traumas, those don't happen because God wants to simply grow us. We live in a really broken world, and it's actually a war zone between good and evil, between our souls that are being worked out with things that we don't see or we don't actually want to acknowledge. And we get lulled into the fact that we think we're in a time of peace and we're actually in a time of war and there's actually casualties in the midst of war. And these things grieve the heart of God. But God, because of what Jesus has done through crucifixion and resurrection, there's the possibility that through anything, God can bring about some type of hope and redemptive quality, even if that thing is never going to be okay. Even if that injustice will stand until we're with God for eternity. And then there's going to be those other seasons where God's withdrawing to help us to lean more into him, the invitation to mature. But whatever we're going through, the invitation is always to lean more into God, to bring our full selves to who God is, to share honestly in prayer and and interventing in our journaling, to be able to just sometimes even sit when we have no words for God, just to say, God, I don't know what to say. I just need to be with you and I need you to do something. I need to sit in attention with you. And then if we have a friend that's going through this season, to be willing to sit with them in the midst of the tension. When they're reeling and they're asking all of these questions, they're not really, honestly, at times looking for the answers. They're just wanting to vent out what they're thinking and feeling, and they're wanting to verbally process so they don't need your platitudes in the moment. They need someone who will be like God and sit with them in the awkwardness and to pray with them and to be present to them. And to know that there will be a day when they will experience resurrection, when they'll find resolution and healing in these things, even if they're wounds that we'll carry for the rest of our life, they will, in a sense, be healed and we can carry these things forward. This is a season where we feel like after all of the reeling, after all the, where is God in the midst of that? Where's God's voice in the midst of all that? When we step into Resurrection Sunday, we start to feel and sense the clouds parting some as God's presence begins to break through. And sometimes we step into this without actually realizing we stepped into it. There's not a clear delineation. It's just things get a little bit better when we're in the midst of grief. Every day is terrible for a while until suddenly start to have a little bit more good days than bad days. And God's presence begins to break in in bits and pieces in very small ways. And if we're in tune, if we're looking, if we're noticing, we can see he's with us all along the way, even in the midst of the heartbreak. Resurrection Sunday is where we feel like God begins to f- to work through the unfixable. When we experience comfort that is beyond words, when the thing that will never be okay becomes something that we're able to carry forward in our journey. When once we felt shattered, we feel these pieces beginning to be put back together. When we get to start to take these wounds, when they become healed in a bit of a way that we actually carry these into other relationships with people and we become wounded healers for others. We get to show up as Jesus does 
When Jesus resurrects from the grave, he goes and he shows his wounds to his followers saying, man, I've died, but I've also come back to life. This is what we get to do in the lives of other people. We get to show them our wounds, but also share the story of how God has worked through these situations to bring about healing. Even though we carry those marks with us for the rest of our lives, they become stories that can help other people in the midst of their broken situations. But wherever you're at in that story, from crucifixion Friday to detention of Saturday to resolution and resurrection, you feel like you've been healed in a sense on Sunday. Where are you at in the midst of that in your own journey right now? Maybe things are going really well. Maybe things are really hard as you're growing with greater anxiety because something is is coming up in life that you're just praying that God would work out in a particular way. Maybe it happens and maybe it doesn't. And maybe you go into this tension of sitting where God does something different than what we want. What I want you to get and what I want you to understand is that he's always with you. Matthew 28, 20 says this, be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is with you right here, right now, even when you don't sense and feel him. And sometimes we need to allow truth to dictate feelings. Feelings are important and we need to acknowledge them, but we don't need to swing them so far like our culture does when they become everything because at times feelings will lead us the wrong way so we need to learn to live in that tension of when feelings are communicating something that we need to tune into and at times where feelings are leading us astray and we need to allow truth to dictate and to say maybe this is why jesus is grabbing at the words of scripture in the midst of a moment of feeling forsaken and he's grabbing on that because he wants that to help really define. If you go read the rest of Psalms 22, it ends pretty good. And so there's hope in the midst of that at the very end, but he's also sitting in the tension of that moment. But I want you to realize he's with you and that he can relate to you in every way because of what he's experienced in life through abandonment, through suffering, through torture, through dying on a cross and then resurrecting from the grave for unanswered prayers or having prayers that God says no to, or even feeling forsaken by God. Jesus understands everything that you're going through. He's with you. And he tells his followers, John 16, 33, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So even though you're going to have tri trials and sorrows, they will come. Notice that's there. Anything other than that is a false gospel. Jesus teaches we will go through difficult times, but there's peace in the midst of difficulty. He brings peace because it's available within his presence and he helps us to overcome because he's overcome. He has the power. And so I love how Mar Martin Luther King Jr. reflecting on his own sufferings, especially after having been stabbed by someone as the, the civil rights movement is ramping up and there's a lots of pushback against what he is attempting to do and what he's leading. He says, as my sufferings mounted, I soon realized that there were two ways that I could respond to my situation, either to react with bitterness or to seek to transform the suffering into a creative force. I decided to follow the latter course. I lived these few years with conviction that unearned suffering is redemptive when you choose to allow it to be a moment where you can transform it into a creative force. How do you do that? 
by allowing Jesus to be with you in the midst of that moment and allow Jesus to heal the wound instead of trying to run from Jesus and become more and more bitter. Those are the options, running to God who knows everything that you're facing and going through, who walks you through the complexity of living in a broken world where God's will on earth is not done all the time, which is why Jesus teaches us, God, would you bring an expression of heaven here on earth, meaning heaven is the place where God's will is done all the time and earth is the place where God's will is not done all the time because there's a war that's happening. There's a war where God is pushing back the curtain of darkness. When at times God's will wins out, at times Satan's will win, wins out in the moment. And sometimes our wills or other people's wills, it's a complex situation. And so when we realize that, when we realize we need to just turn to Jesus, and that's hard to do. And it's hard to, to be in the scriptures when you're going through grief and going through a situation. But even when the scriptures have lost their flavor, we need to find our nourishment in the midst of those scriptures. Because if not, we just turn away from God. And when we do that, what else helps us? What else helps us in our grief? What else helps us to get over the things that we've gone through and to begin to heal and to walk forward in that stuff? And so I don't want you to become bitter. I want you to take Jesus at his word that he will bring peace in the midst of trials and sorrows, that he'll help you to overcome because he is overcome. So maybe you're in the midst of whatever you're going through, and I can't nuance this to the ground for you. You have to rely on the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do, which is to contextualize this in your own life. But what I do know is Jesus is present in this moment through his spirit. Wherever you're at, you can stop and just take a moment Acknowledge that he's with you. Acknowledge that he loves you. And that these things that you're going through, if they're hard, they're probably breaking his heart too. And when you don't know what step to take, to sit still long enough to wait on him to tell you what next step to take, it's okay to wait, to be still, to know that God's with you. And that he will bring about something. And you might not feel it today or tomorrow. It might take a long time, but he's going to help you work through the dark night of the soul. He's going to help you to walk through these seasons. And I'm so grateful that scripture normalizes this for us. I'm so, so grateful that the, the passion narrative helps us to frame what we might be walking through. And I'm so grateful to have a Savior who relates to us in every way, who's very present with us and will lead us through this. I'm so grateful for all of that. And so what, what things can we learn for our own journey from Jesus as we've experienced through this short talk? We can learn that we can pray about all of our emotions, whatever we might feel be feeling, even if we're feeling like we have been forsaken by God. Take that to God and actually communicate that to God. When you have questions and you're sitting in the middle of tension, bring all of those questions to God and lay them before Him. And even when He doesn't answer, because the truth is you rarely have your whys answered, He always gives the gift of His presence. And so sometimes his presence becomes enough to help you continue to move forward and to find the joy breaking through again someday. But as you pray about your emotions, you can begin to release all outcomes to God. And that's kind of like a move of healing of God in your life when you're able to say, God, like I want things to go this way, but not my will done, but your will be done. Or when things have not gone the way you wanted them to go, you can pray, 
God, I don't know why it worked out that way, God, but I, I want you to work your will in this situation. And I want to be open to whatever you might be doing in my life. Find resonance in scripture. Help us continue to be the words that you cling to and hold on to. Sit in the unknown of a situation. Don't feel like you have to simply just make it better and move along. Um, it's actually positive thinking, positive self-talk. We, we don't always need to do that because it doesn't help us to grieve well. So sometimes we need to sit in the moment with God. Like Pete Craig says, to sit in the moment until God unmistakably moves in that situation. And then we continue to wait on resurrection. Resurrection is always possible because of Jesus. Resurrection is always possible because Jesus has defeated the grave. He's defeated death. He's defeated the work of Satan in your life. And so you can walk in the freedom of God, even though we walk in his power in the midst of a war zone that's still happening around us as people's souls are still being fought for in the midst of this bigger cosmic battle that's happening. Again, even when we don't want to acknowledge that it's actually happening. And so again, things we learn from Jesus, pray about all of our emotions, release all outcomes to God, find resonance in scripture, sit in the unknown and wait on resurrection. And I really pray that having this conversation is helpful for your journey of just naming and normalizing some things that maybe you've experienced in your past or you might be experiencing now. You can orient yourself with the help of the Holy Spirit of where you might be from Crucifixion Friday to the Tension of Saturday or you're in Resurrection Sunday and everything is going okay in the moment. But no, you might dip back into these seasons as it's going to happen as we journey with Jesus. But I hope this is helpful. And if you have any more questions, I would love to talk with you about it. Please connect with us through the website, pinehillschurch.org. Hope to see you in the next episode. Have a great day. Bye.